Hello and welcome to the Emily Cooper Show. My name is Emily Cooper, obviously, and I am a certified life coach and NLP practitioner. I am passionate about taking women from being stuck in their lives to being free and magnetic as fuck. On this podcast, I'm going to be giving you some no bullshit life advice by talking all things feminine flow, conscious relationships, mindset work, embodiment, abundance, and so much more. If you're interested in working with me, head over to my Instagram at Emily Viner Cooper, where I post loads more free content and I love interacting with my community. Without further ado, let's get on to today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy to have you here. I am so excited to be recording again, as usual. I think this podcast can sometimes be put on the back burner in terms of things I have to do because... It does take me a long time, it is obviously free content, it doesn't necessarily make me money directly, and not only do I script it, I then record it, I then edit it, so it's quite a lengthy process, nevertheless, I love doing it, and I feel good when I do it, I feel good when I'm able to provide you with more value and insights, and that's why I keep doing it, so If you do enjoy it and get value out of it and look forward to it, then please do give it a rating, give it a written review. It will just help with engagement. It will help other people to find it as well so that I can reach a larger audience. I can add value for more people and we go round and round like that. (laughs) The title of this episode is Self-Narrative. Now, there are two parts to this episode that I want to touch on, two different self-narratives that we might have going on in our head, whether we are conscious of it or unconscious of it. And this would be a positive self-narrative and a negative self-narrative, or rather a false positive self-narrative and a negative self-narrative. So let's touch on the false positive self-narrative first. A lot of people who get into self-development are lured in by the magic of something like The Secret, the book, the documentary, or something to do with manifestation, right? Whether it's The Secret itself, obviously that was kind of the book that brought it onto the scene, or if it's some other sort of coach or guru that is talking about manifestation, A lot of people are brought into this world for some reason because of manifestation. Myself, um, I remember when I was 19, I believe, I was just scrolling on Netflix and I found The Secret and that is how I landed up into this world. And manifestation, The Secret's way, never worked for me, not once. And obviously now that I have the brain science and the neuroscience and the quantum physics understanding... I know exactly why it never worked for me, but back then it was highly frustrating. Anyway, as I was saying, a lot of people jump into self-development because of the secret or because of manifestation. They are unhappy with their lives. They would like to create something different uh, with their lives and manifestation seems to be a great way to do so. And I'm not negating this. 
I just believe in the scientific version of manifestation. I believe in the uh, neuroscience version of manifestation, the unblocking side of manifestation. I do not believe in writing down a list and looking at it every single day and creating a vision board and visualizing and all of that is going to get you what you want in life. That is absolute bullshit. As I've just mentioned, a lot of the time when people do get into this manifestation work and it is the sort of secrets version of manifestation, you can create this image of yourself that is incredibly positive. Why? Because you are ultimately wanting to be that person, right? So whether you are writing down a manifestation list such as I am so grateful that I have a new car or I'm so grateful that I have five thousand dollars in my bank account whatever it is you could also be writing I'm so grateful that I'm happy I'm so grateful that I am healthy I'm so grateful that I'm kind I'm so grateful that I'm fulfilled I'm so grateful that I'm aligned and again this often when we are just starting out in the work is not necessarily truthful right you are scripting in the present tense, but it is a hope, it is a wish, it is a manifestation. You are wanting to be happy, fulfilled, aligned, kind, etc. You are not necessarily there yet. It is a future goal. And the issue here is that we walk around with this positive self-image of I am happy, I am fulfilled, I am magnetic, going on in our head and we say all these mantras to ourselves every single day and we read our our list and we visualize ourselves being happy and fulfilled and but if we have not done the inner work to actually make ourselves happy to actually find fulfillment and alignment and contentment and joy and fun and play and ease and pleasure whatever it is that you're searching for out of life if we have not done the inner work, if we have not worked through our pain, our suffering, our disappointments, our heartache, then your scripting, I am happy, I am joyous, I am playful, life is easy, is just as effective as you writing, I'm so grateful for my new house, when you have $5 in your bank account, right? No matter how many times you write, I am happy, if you are living the same life as you were yesterday, and if you are not actively working on the wounding that you're carrying with you, the trauma that you've gone through, and if you think that I'm talking about capital T trauma, I am not, go and listen to that episode, it's not going to be effective. It's not. You can write it as many times as you want, and it's just going to stay a nice little list. And what actually would happen with me, and I'm sure it happens with you too, is I would feel like a fraud. I'd be writing, I am happy, I am content, I am fulfilled, I am joyous, and I wouldn't feel any of that stuff. And then I would just feel like a fraud and I feel like I'm wasting my time. And I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait to actually feel happy and content and fulfilled, um, and it would never come. Because all I was doing was writing on a piece of paper, I am happy. And then I was going and living my daily life as I had done, i.e. the same life that was making me unhappy and unfulfilled. So how I thought that was going to work, I don't know. But a lot of people fall into this trap, thanks to things like The Secret. So 
the issue with positive mindset work and mantras and lists of I am's, whilst it is a good supplement, I'm not saying do away with it altogether, it's a really good supplement, but the issue comes in when we solely rely on those things, therefore we do not truly believe the things that we are saying deep down, because you can recite all of the mantras you like, but unless you are deeply rooted in that truth, you won't believe it, which means you then won't act in accordance with it. And you won't attract the things that you want to attract if manifestation is your goal. If you are writing down, I am happy, but you don't believe you are happy, then you are not going to act in the world as a happy person. You are not going to do the things that happy people do. You are not going to show up in the way that happy people show up. You're not going to say yes to opportunities and to people that will enhance your happiness you will just remain the same. You will carry on doing the same things. Why? Because we spend 95% of our time on autopilot. We spend 95% of the day doing the same things that we do yesterday, thinking the same thoughts that we thought yesterday. So merely by writing down on a list, I am happy does not necessarily change your actions. And that is why a massive thing that the secret left out is the law of action. They'll preach for days on end about the law of attraction and just helpfully leave out the law of action, which is most important. If you are saying to yourself, I am content, I love myself, I respect myself, I love my body, I have high self-worth, but you do not actually believe that, you're going to continue in low self-worth behavior. If you continue in low self-worth behavior, you're going to keep attracting men or partners that reflect that low self-worth behavior to you. You're going to keep getting into toxic situationships or relationships. What happens? You feel low self-worth. And you're writing, I have high self-worth, I love myself on your piece of paper, but you feel low self-worth time and time and time again. It is a cycle, right? So I understand that you maybe want to change your life and you want to better your life, you want to improve your mindset which is important all of this is important and I understand that for a lot of people the natural first step is to start working on their mindset which means to start reframing things and to stop seeing yourself as a victim i.e. to start seeing yourself as someone that is happy that is fulfilled that is aligned that is content right I get that and it's understandable and again I've been there okay I've been there But this is just my caveat, my warning to you that you are going to keep wading through the mud and not actually getting anywhere unless you do that inner work. Unless you become aware of your patterns, your actual beliefs. Like if you're writing down, I love myself on a piece of paper, actually ask yourself, do I actually love myself? Can I genuinely, honestly stand up on a stage and tell the world that I love myself and mean it? If I took a polygraph test, would it tell me that I'm lying? And if it's not the case, get rid of the piece of paper. Get rid of it. Start doing the inner work. Start unblocking yourself from those limiting beliefs, those limiting decisions, those traumas, that conditioning, that programming that is preventing you from being able to write that stuff down truthfully. 
Or what I do in my coaching sessions is when I'm meeting a client for the first time, I will say to them, okay, what do you want out of this? What do you want out of the time that we are spending with each other? And then that is a goal. If they're wanting to feel more content or more peaceful or more confident, that is then a goal. It is not a mantra that we are pretending is occurring in present life. It's not. Currently, the client does not feel content, for example, but it is a goal. So in six weeks' time or in three months' time, we can look back and say, did we meet our goal? Did we do everything to allow you to get to this feeling where you can actually write it down on a piece of paper and believe it? And it all starts with that self-awareness of let's stop lying to ourselves here and let's be honest. Let's be honest about what we feel. Let's be honest about the cycles that we keep getting ourselves into, the patterns that we keep repeating, the toxic behavior that we either exhibit or accept from other people. And if you are wanting assistance with this, if you're wanting support in this, then firstly, my self-awareness ebook is a very low-cost offer. I think it's somewhere around there and it is an ebook so it gives you the theory and then it's also a workbook so it gives you journal prompts it gives you guided meditations to go deeper into the subconscious uh, and to uncover what your particular beliefs patterns cycles are obviously if you are wanting something that's a little bit pricier and more one-on-one with a greater touch point then my breakthrough hours are where you want to go and we can schedule as many of those as it takes to reach your goals. So that's on the false positive narrative. The other narrative is the negative narrative, (laughs) okay? The negative Nancy, the negative narrative. And the negative narrative is blocking you But the danger with the negative narrative is that it might be subconscious. You might not be aware of the fact that you are carrying around a negative self-narrative, right? So negative narratives are those that are generally born out of past experience, whether it's from childhood or some sort of highly charged emotional event in our teenage years or adult life a particularly charged breakup or family struggle or some sort of embarrassing life event when you stood up on stage and you forgot all your lines and everyone, like, it was just awkward. Something that was very emotionally charged. But generally speaking, nine times out of ten, it'll come from childhood. Or even before childhood, i.e. in the womb, science has proven that the conditioning of the mother can be passed to the baby, through the placenta. So it might not even be a belief that you have or a memory that you have. It might be that of your mother or even more generations back than that. So these are experiences we've had. And from that experience, we have created a belief out of it. We decided because of that experience to adopt a certain belief about ourselves. And it will obviously be negative. I don't, I can't, I will never. Something that is preventative, that is blocking. Preventing us from doing something, getting somewhere, having what we want, doing what we want. And obviously these beliefs hold us back from our full potential because they dictate the decisions we make 
the opportunities we say yes to, if you are in sales or in business, the networking, the type of networking you do, the courage that you have to connect with new people, to talk about your business, to talk about your ideas, it will impact that. If you, again, are in sales or you're an entrepreneur where you're selling products or services, it's going to impact the way that you sell because you have this limiting belief of whatever it is, I'm not worthy, um, I am not educated enough, I am not old enough. So it's going to impact the efficacy with which you sell, the confidence with which you sell. And again, you might not be aware of this. You might be showing up in life the best you possibly can, but you could be showing up so much better, so much more efficiently, so much more magnetically, so much more openly if you did not have this limiting belief running the show in your subconscious mind. So, for example, if you have a limiting belief that says that you are not worthy of love, what is the root of that limiting belief? More than likely, your parents. One of your parents, both of your parents. They were absent, they worked a lot, they were mentally ill, they were unstable, they were alcoholics, they were narcissistic, they were abusive, something along those lines. Okay, that led the childhood version of you to believe that you were unworthy of love because even your own parents could not love you. And again, this is not necessarily true, objectively true. For example, if your parents worked a lot, it's very possible that they loved you so much that they overexerted themselves to make sure that they had enough money to provide for you. But the childhood brain cannot see things in context. It does not understand context. Everything the childhood brain interprets is through an egoic lens. Everything is about me and I. So if mom and dad are away from me a lot and they're working a lot, it must be because they don't love me. The only possible reason is that they don't love me. So that's more than likely the root. And on that day or in that period of time, childhood you decided I am not worthy of love and that was the decision that created the belief the belief that you have carried with you this entire time throughout your life whether you are aware of it or not what happens how does it impact you well you are now 20-ish 20 between 20 and 30 and you're looking for a stable relationship and maybe you want to settle down and get married and have children and so you're dating and every single person you meet that is interested in you treats you badly is hot and cold with their affection doesn't want to commit one day loves you one day completely ignores you um, is all over the place with what they want is probably seeing some other people on the side and you kind of know this but you don't want to confirm it and you accept this behavior uh, because someone is better than no one and you have this belief running around in your head of I'm not worthy of love so the fact that there is somebody that's even giving you a morsel of love is so addictive to your brain that you will accept that because it's better than what you believe is your fate, your destiny, which is to not have anyone love you at all. So you will accept this piecemeal love, this like scrap metal love, 
which isn't even love, by the way. <laughs> it's not love at all. Uh, but you will accept this behavior because of this limiting belief that you picked up when you were five years old, seven years old. And this is the negative self-narrative that you have running around in the back of your mind that you may or may not be conscious of, but it is greatly impacting the decisions you make. Another example would be if your family really struggled with money and you decided as a child that you are poor, your family is poor, you're destined to always be poor. And even, again, if this is not objectively the case, I distinctly remember thinking, I'm poor, and I'm just going to be poor for the rest of my life. I distinctly remember this as a child, and I lived in a four-bedroom house. I went to private school. Okay, at that time, actually, I was in primary school, so I went to, I went to public school. But I went on in high school to private school, uh, we went overseas every year. <laughs> I had all of my needs met. I didn't go in want for anything. On my birthday and Christmas, I got loads of presents. And I distinctly remember thinking I am poor. Why? Because my family, my maternal family, did not really know how to manage money in the best way. And their business tactics were sometimes questionable. And they were, always, they were all in business together. So I heard a lot of chat around, oh, we're going to lose the house. And we need to be really careful with our expenditure for the rest of the month because things are really tight. And all of this fear that was pumped into me about financial safety or lack thereof and so I remember having the thought of, oh, I'm poor, because I was so tired of hearing this narrative from my family of we need to save and we need to scrimp and we need to cut down and we're going to lose the house and the bank's going to come and take the house and uh, we need to take out a loan and this and that and blah, blah, blah. When in actual fact, we were not poor by any means, especially living in South Africa, we were not poor at all. But our money was not managed correctly, which meant that we were constantly essentially struggling when we should not have been struggling, but we were struggling. And so I had this thought of, oh, I'm, I'm poor. And what this would have meant if I did not undo that belief for myself is that I would have gone into life accepting whatever job came my way, whether it fulfilled me or not, whether I enjoyed it or not, whether it was aligned with my passion and purpose or not, because, oh, well, it's money, so, so I'll take it. And I did do this for some of my high school years and some of my university years. And I remember being so upset because the amount that I was earning per hour was ridiculous it was so bad, but I took the job anyway because it was better than nothing. When actually what I should have done, because at this point I did not need to sustain myself at all, I was living at home, my expenses were paid for me, I should have waited for a job to come around that was actually aligned with my passions and my purpose because then I would have way more experience than I do now. And that's not to say I'm inexperienced at all, but it would have put me ahead of the game. 
And I would have been happier, more importantly, I would have been happier in high school and university because I would be choosing methods of income generation that actually were aligned with who I was and what I wanted to do on the earth. Instead of being unhappy for a large part of the time because I was dreading having to go to work. I was dreading having to sit there at my shift. I worked like reception at a vet. I was dreading having to sit there behind the counter and deal with customers and talk to them about which dog food they should buy and the effect of cortisone on their animals. You know, I hated it, but I took it. And then there was a moment in time when I realized, actually, I don't want this narrative to run around in me anymore. I don't want to conform to this narrative anymore. I want to be, firstly, working for myself, making my own hours. And I want it to be so that the more effort I put in, not necessarily the more hours I work, but the more effort I put in, the more money I make. I want to have control over how much money I earn. I want an uncapped income. I want passive income. I want the work that I do to earn that income to be fulfilling. And obviously I did a year of being a lawyer and I did that very intentionally. I took that job to solidify what I already knew to be true, which is that I didn't want to practice law, but I took that job just to make sure that I could walk away with complete 100% embodied knowledge that I did not want to be a lawyer. But again, my legal salary was enough to get by. It was by no means the sort of salary that you would expect from a lawyer especially not a lawyer that puts criminals in jail, which is what I was doing. But it was a stable salary and I could have worked that job for the rest of my life because there's security of tenure. So unless I really messed up, I could have had that job, a stable job for the rest of my life. I would not have to worry about earning money. But I was not able to control my income. In other words, I could work harder than everybody else in the room and we would earn exactly the same thing. I had to work on somebody else's hours. I was not able to manage the amount of effort I was putting in versus the amount of efficiency. In other words, I was often putting in so much effort to try and make things more efficient. And the staff that were working around me were super despondent and quite lazy and did not, to be honest, put in that amount of effort. Um, And so that negated any sort of efficiency that I was creating. Obviously, that job was not fulfilling me. It wasn't aligned with my purpose at all. But if I still had that limiting belief running around my head of I am poor, then it would not have allowed me to take the leap to leave that job and to start my own job to start my own business. Because by staying in that job, it meant that I would not be poor. It also means that I would never be rich. It also means I would never be fulfilled. But it means that I would not be poor. And in a way, it was both negating the belief I had and affirming it. Because as I said, I was not earning a lot of money at all. So it was almost affirming, oh, you see, you are poor. Even though I was earning enough to survive, I was 
having to go without on a lot of things. So it was kind of affirming that belief to me of, oh, well, you are poor. But it certainly would not have allowed me to take that leap of faith to start a new business, to go out on my own with only three months salary in savings and to make it on my own. If that belief was still running around in my head, I can promise you that leap of faith would not be taken. And that's what I mean when I say that these subconscious negative narratives are running the show, whether we know it or not. But the upside of all of this is that you can reprogram a false positive, which is actually just a negative, and a negative narrative, right? Even if you do not know what they are right now, you can reprogram this. And one of my favorite techniques for doing this is called time techniques. And it goes back to the root in a conscious hypnosis. So you're not actually under hypnosis. You are conscious, you're awake, you're aware. But a conscious hypnosis, it takes you back to the root of the problem when you made that decision. And we reprogram that decision. We literally erase it from your brain. And then we go and plant goals for the future to create different narratives, different decisions, different actions, different outcomes, different beliefs. That sounds good to you. Send me a DM at Emily Viner Cooper. If you're not following me on Instagram already, you really should be because there's a lot more free content on there. And I will let you know how we can work together, when we can work together, what it costs, what's in it for you, what's in it for me. If you want to book a free 20-minute discovery coffee chat, then we can do that too. Sorry, that's my dog coughing in the background. That's disgusting. Um, we can do that too to see if we're a good fit to work with one another. And I'm excited to work with you. I'm excited for the new women and men that are entering my life at the moment to work with me. A lot of people have been coming through and I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for it. I hope that this episode has been powerful, has made you think differently, has helped in some way. And I will check you in the next episode. As always, if you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have any particular topic that you just really want me to riff on, please send me a DM. I love to connect with you. I love hearing about who's listening to the podcast, what they thought of it, and if they want anything else from me, because I'm more than happy to run with whatever it is that you guys want me to speak about. But until next week, keep smiling, keep working on yourself, tell those around you that you love them, tell yourself that you love you, that you love you, does that make sense? I don't know. Anyway, check you next week. Until then, lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Emily Cooper Show. I cannot tell you how much your support means to me. I put a lot of time and energy into this podcast and I believe that I also provide a lot of free value. So if you feel called, if I have provided you free value, helped you to think in a different way, supported you through your emotions or just entertained you somehow I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast it really helps with engagement secondly if you are feeling called to work with me if you like 
the work that I do, the mission that I embody. And if you are feeling called to uplevel your life in any way, then please do not hesitate to reach out and contact me. You can book one hour slots with me or you can invest in an entire program, eight weeks, perfectly tailored to where you're at in life right now and what you want to work on. The choice is yours, but don't hesitate to reach out and I will be so happy to welcome you into one of my containers and into my energy. Have a good rest of your day.